Let's pray. Jesus, we stand here before you, God, this morning, sitting in this place, Lord. All of us dealing with our own type of frustration, disappointment, Lord, discouragement. God, all of us contending with some sort of circumstance or crisis, God, that challenges, God, what we believe, what we know about you, what we've learned. God, we, we look to you, God, this morning. God, we're honest about our skepticism and we're honest about our disappointment and we're honest about our frustration, Jesus, before you. God, we confess that, Lord Jesus, we really don't have the answers and we're looking. Jesus, show yourself to us. Help us to know your heart and your mind. Help us to know, Jesus, your grace and your truth in a way we never have before, Lord. We bless you and we love you, God. Show us the way, Jesus. Amen. We celebrate the resurrection season. The pinpoint of Thomas's doubt sits right here. Thomas had an idea about how he thought things were going to go. Suddenly, everything changed. Suddenly. Thank you. Let me suit up. He had an idea about where he thought things were going to go and how they were going to end up. And when he was confronted with how things were actually going to happen and actually going to go, it created an opportunity for doubt. That wasn't unusual for Thomas. We'll see here in just a minute. He'd found himself many times kind of contending with that idea, that thought. He wanted desperately to have something to believe in. You know, it kept thinking like he, would miss, he was missing it. You feel like that sometimes? Like you just keep missing it? You know what I mean? You, you just no matter. You're never at the right place at the right time. Everybody else kind of grabs a hold of what's going on. You're like, I still don't. I don't understand. I'm. I don't. What is happening? We want to believe, but there's always seems to be something getting our way. Our schedule gets messed up. Those pop up moments. Those unplanned moments that we just seem to just keep missing. Those intentional messages and pivotal points in our lives that no matter what goes on, they keep being conveyed, but somehow we are aloof of them until after it's over. Anybody been there? Then the questions come. You guys never thought this? Is this for real? I mean, can I bank on what the Bible says about stuff? Am I really supposed to be doing what I'm doing? Can I really hear the voice of God 
I mean, I thought I did, but now everything seems kind of muddied and messed up, and I don't know what to make sense. The struggle for belief is, is, is something we all contend with. Every one of us sitting in this room have struggled with our, with, our, with our beliefs. We have wrestled with doubt. We have contended with controversy that just doesn't add up in our minds, and we're trying to make sense of it. Even some of us have been followers of Jesus for a long time. There are times we find ourselves in that crisis of faith where we're like, we're trying to make the pieces fit together, and we, it's like a big jigsaw puzzle we just can't find that next one that goes in there that's where thomas was we're going to journey with him and find out how he went through this dilemma and we're going to find out what crisis of faith and at the end of his life we'll find out that not only did he find a reason for living this fella in the midst of his doubt walking through his doubt found a reason even for dying something he found something worth dying for I gave him a hard time if you want to you can turn with me to John chapter 20 actually I wouldn't I wouldn't know if you want to you ought to actually uh, uh, we're not we're not in a dictatorship here but I am kind of in charge this morning and John 20 verses right around verse 24 If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. Please feel free to use it this morning. If you don't happen to own a Bible or have one that you're easily easily accessible to you, that one's a gift from us to you, and we pray you'll take it with you, and we'll pray the Lord Jesus Christ speaks to you through it. And so take it home with you. Just don't leave it in some of the junk pile that's in your car, please. Use it. I want to set the background for this. As we're talking, you saw the images on the screen of Jesus sitting with his followers, his disciples, partaking of a meal together and, and, and hearing Jesus talk. And you see the scenes of the, of the cross and the resurrection and all of that stuff. And as we begin this morning, what we'll find ourselves is these followers of Jesus have gone through a very dark time. And some of them have, have, have kind of made a discovery, but some of them are still contending whether it's really, whether it's really real or not. And, and Thomas finds himself embroiled in this discussion about the person of Christ, having been, having been crucified in front of all of them, having been taken into prison and beaten and beat up and, and everything else. And now they're trying to contend with it. Some of them have, have found Jesus earlier in this passage of Scripture But Thomas was always a day late and a dollar short. And so, in verse 24, you'll find the words, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, one of the closest confidants of Jesus, Thomas called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. How many times have I been that guy? So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side, he makes a really bold statement, I will never believe. I kind of picture this moment that these guys are hanging out with them and all of a sudden Thomas is standing in the middle of them and he's making his bold proclamation. You always have somebody like that in your, in your conversations, don't you? You're having a good conversation, and somebody's always got to give their two cents worth or whatever, whether, it's, whether they're asked for it or not. You know what I mean? Anybody ever, had, ever been involved in a conversation like that? I can't envision all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're talking about Jesus alive, and all of a sudden, Thomas just stands up. Well, I won't believe. 
And all of a sudden, everybody, everybody turns their attention. You know, everybody's like, okay, Thomas, take a chill pill, bud. What's your problem? I mean, don't you trust the rest of us? I mean, I, you know, and he's kind of caught in the focal point. And as that happens, some amazing things happen, and we'll get to that at the end. You know, Jesus had reappeared to this group of believers, man. Jesus had shown back up. Peter had run to the tomb early, earlier, peered his head inside the door, and found that there was just a pile of clothes left laying there, a pile of cloths that Jesus was wrapped in. Mary and a few other people had had interaction with some angels and even Jesus himself. And, and then they, they were all gathered in one place and he shows up, but, but Thomas misses it. And I, it must have been very frustrating for him because you know what? This really was nothing new to Thomas. Nothing new to him. If you look in the... the, the, the the disciples roster. It's kind of like when you're picking teams. Remember, remember, remember phys ed class? Huh? You be the captain and you be the captain and you guys pick. And of course, always the big, tall, athletic guys got picked first. You know what I mean? The real quick fellas got picked next, you know, and, and, and then just kept dwindling down. Well, and as, as you go through the lists of disciples in the scripture, guess whose name's always in the, bot, the latter half of the list? You can look at it. Mark 3, it reads like this, verse 14. And he appointed 12 whom he named apostles, talk about Jesus, that they might be with him and he might be sent out to that they might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Verse 16 says, he appointed the 12, and guess who's always at the top of the list? Simon, whose name was Peter. He was Jesus' favorite. Can, can, you, can, you, can, you, hear, can, you, can you see Thomas? He's, out, he's over in the, in the crowd of guys, and he goes, I'll take Peter. <laughs> you know. Peter don't even know when to be quiet. Jesus just keeps picking him. I don't know. He always says stupid stuff. Jesus just keeps picking him. I don't know. I try and keep my, shut, my, 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 my mouth shut, and I, I just try and do what I'm told, but Peter just keeps getting picked. You guys have never had those kind of conversations, have you? Then James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. Oh, yeah, there's the next two. They're, they're always up there. They even tried to, they wanted Jesus to kill people on purpose. And he just keeps picking them. They don't even get it. Then there's Andrew, and that's Peter's brother. He always picks the same people. There's always these family people. And Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, finally number eight, and Thomas. I promise every time you, you find the list of disciples in the, in the scripture, there's Thomas, always in the latter half, man, usually the latter fourth. He's always kind of towards the bottom of the list. And James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot. And there's a reason he's, on the la- he's the very last one. You know, he, he could, Thomas is a lot like the rest of us. He could begin to, in his mind, vain thoughts could start to happen and presumptions and assumptions begin to take place. And he could presume, you know, maybe I just, maybe Jesus really doesn't want me. He just kind of needs somebody to fill a spot, you know. He needed 12 and I was just kind of around. Anybody ever felt like that? It appears maybe that he's not really wanted, 
And if you start in verse 14 of Mark 3, it kind of looks like that. But there's an amazing word right smack in the middle of Mark 3, 13, that Thomas just kept looking past. See, Thomas could have said, it appears like Jesus doesn't really care if I'm around. I'm always last on the list to be chosen for kickball or dodgeball or whatever ball we're playing that afternoon. But verse 3, chapter 3, verse 13 of Mark reads like this. And Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. See, the truth was Jesus desired Thomas. Maybe circumstances didn't appear that way. Maybe life didn't look that way. Maybe he, 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 he talked himself into some depression and discouragement and, and things like that. But the truth was Jesus had desired Thomas or he, wouldn't have not been, he would not have been numbered among those men, according to Mark 3.13. And maybe today you're trying to, you, you, you feel like you're always missing things and you're just, just, just strategically missing at different points and times and when everything goes on, you're the last to know or the last to be chosen. You might think that maybe Jesus doesn't want me, but I want to explain something to you today. The Bible says in John three sixteen that God so loved the whole world. Are you in the world? Are you a part of this planet? Are you a part of this human race that has breath in its lungs and blood in its veins? Then you know what that means? Jesus loves you. There's a place of scripture in 2 Peter chapter 3, I think it is. It says these words. That, that, that the reason God is so, we just sung a song at the beginning about Jesus coming again. He'll make his appearing. Remember that? The Bible says the reason he's so slow in making it happen is that there's one reason. There's one motivation of his heart. Is that he desires that no one perish, but that all come to him in repentance. That means you, every one of us. He desires us to be a part of his family. He desires us to be a part of his kingdom. He desires us to be a part of his purposes in the planet. And so if you have been dealt a raw deal or a bad hand, I want to encourage you about something. Don't let those thoughts and those imaginations about what, you, what you've experienced and where you're at on the list and, and who, why, you, why things keep happening to you talk you into thinking that Jesus doesn't want you. He loved you so much he endured that thing over there. So don't let the appearances of things get to you. Bank on the truth of the scripture. It says... He loved you so much, he gave himself for you. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for the ungodly. Wow, is that awesome to think about? Another thing that went on with Thomas. Thomas didn't realize the whole story. Unlike him, we don't always get all the, the truth God's trying to convey to us. He missed some pretty important moments in his life. Matthew 17, you'll find some, some familiar names. Six days later, Matthew 17, 1 says, Jesus took Peter uh-huh, and the two brothers, James and John, first three on the list all the time, led them up to a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. Maybe Jesus needs me, but maybe Jesus doesn't like me. That was his next presumption. 
Maybe Jesus needs somebody to do something. Maybe they need somebody to, be, to play a role in children's ministry, but I'm not sure anybody likes me. I can fill a spot. I can do a thing. I can, but maybe I'm not really wanted. Here they are in that room where we started the discussion. Peter, James, and John have seen Jesus, Mary, and those guys. And verse 26 of that piece of scripture uh, in John 20 reads like this. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again after Thomas had declared he wouldn't believe unless he saw Jesus. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. You know how I, you know how I picture this? This is, this, is, this is my imagination running amok on me. I imagine Thomas being in the middle, all those guys talking about what they'd seen, what they heard. Thomas is sitting there kind of listening until he can't take it anymore. He stands up. Well, I won't believe. Anybody watch, you ever, anybody ever watch NCIS? Anybody ever watch, you know, Gibbs and Denozo and those guys? You know what I'm talking about? And Denozo's always saying stuff and stupid, and Gibbs just happens to be in the, right behind him. You know what I mean? You know, you know what I'm talking about? I imagine that, G, that, that Thomas makes a boom. Well, I won't believe unless. And all of a sudden, a bright light emanates from behind Thomas. And all of a sudden, everybody else's eyes goes, Thomas. <laughs> Woohoo. He's right there. He's still talking. And then here's these words Peace be with you. You know, then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand here in this scar in my side where they poked that spear in there. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas's answer is, my Lord and my God. He had no other response. And I think it's caught in the monologue. He said, I may have had a, something to the effect of, I, I may have had a crisis of faith, but I will tell you this, I have never doubted again. You know, going through difficulty and darkness sometimes, not sometimes, if we respond correctly, it solidifies our faith. When we go through difficult and frustrating circumstances, we, we find ourselves contending with this idea of faith, and suddenly that which seemed really ooshy-gooshy, suddenly like it, 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 it solidifies like concrete underneath of us. All of a sudden, it's a place to stand. And Thomas comes, not just that Jesus is the Savior, he is my Lord and my God. The truth about this was he presumed that Jesus really liked him. The truth is he was the one Jesus responded to his request to touch his wounds. A little while earlier, Mary Magdalene would seek just to reach out and, and complete a motion that he, that's actually Jesus. He goes, whoa, 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 time out, don't touch me. But for some reason, because Thomas was in such great need, Jesus is like, dude, check this out, man. Feel this. Touch that. When Thomas felt like he was the one on the outs, he's the only one that we have record of in Scripture that gets to touch the risen Savior, actually gets to put his hands on him and touch him and know that what he has believed in is absolutely real. 
today, maybe you're seeking out truth and you're seeking out hope and you're seeking out life. Listen, I want to tell you something. The, the, the reason I think Jesus gives this to Thomas, because Thomas was being real and honest and he said, I need some help, Jesus. The scriptures tell us in Jeremiah chapter 29 that he says, if we seek for him with all of our heart, we will, he will be found by us. We often quote the, the beginning of that piece of scripture where it talks about he's having him, him having plans for us, a future and a hope. And God very much did have a future and a hope for Thomas. But check this out. It wasn't until Thomas said, listen, I just need some help getting over this hump right here. And Jesus met him because he was seeking, his heart, seeking the Lord with its sincerity. The reason maybe the rest of them didn't get to touch him, because I think some of them were dealing with the same thing. At least Thomas was, was willing enough to be transparent and confessing all enough to go, dude, I can't get it. Jesus, I need help. I want desperately to believe in this thing called the gospel. I don't definitely believe in this person called Christ, but Jesus, I need you to be right next to me somehow, some way, to make your presence known that you are with me. Let me, and he responds to that. And he may not have, been always on the top of the list but as i recall there's a piece of scripture that says something like this the first shall be last and the last shall be first hang on brothers and sisters if you feel like you're on the bottom of the list all that stuff you know i'm not going to use those words in here that stuff trickles down right Last shall be first, first shall be last. Thomas gets to touch the hands of him. You know, Thomas was one of those guys, he missed a point at times. I mean, he, he completely missed what Jesus was saying. There's a piece of scripture in John 11. Anybody, anybody know an eternal pessimist? Huh? It doesn't matter what's going on. It could be 85 degrees and sunny. There might be one cloud in the sky. Dude, it's going to rain. I'm telling you, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rain. Here's Jesus going. Already, even, 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 even before the intensity got cranked up on Jesus' life, where he was really running for his life, Jesus and, and the disciples find themselves continuing with this situation with Lazarus. And he's in the middle of ministry, and Jesus doesn't stop doing ministry to go take care of Lazarus. Lazarus dies. And you know what Thomas's response is? Let's all just go with him so we can all die too. I mean, he was like, oh, such great hope and expectation, you know? Oh, let's, you know. Remember, you, remember, you guys, are, my kids are big Ice Age fans. Anybody watch Ice Age with their kids or their grandkids? Sid, we're going to live. We're going to die. You know. There's Thomas. You know what I Let's just throw in the towel. Is it really worth it? I don't know. He's, he's trying to make sense of everything going around him. He's like, the pressure's really intense. What's the use? Can't we just go and be with Lazarus? It'd be better to be there. And sometimes we, with, with the way things are in our culture, we kind of get there sometimes and we, oh, we, 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 we say, even so, come Lord Jesus. And it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a, a chant of victory. It's a chant of, oh, please save. It's escapism. We're just trying to get away. God's called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. He intends for us to do business for him, not to be fatalistic. And think, oh, no, we have the hope of heaven living on the inside of us. We should be those that are going, oh, just kill us too so we can be with the rest of them. No, 
I want to be the guy like David that says, it's written about David in Acts chapter 20. He fulfilled his purpose in his generation. Then he rested with his fathers. Not getting out of here early. Don't want to leave early. Want to, want to be able to walk before Jesus and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not checking out. Forget that. Huh. You know another thing he presumed? He presumed he didn't have all and everything he needed to know. Jesus didn't fill him in all the blanks he needed to know. John 14, you'll find this, this, this idea of eternity floating around in Jesus' heart and Jesus' words. And John 14, it says this, let not your heart be troubled. Listen to these words. Believe in God and also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I would go to prayer for a place? Prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And Jesus says, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas, Lord, we don't know. We don't know where you're going. I believe Jesus going, oh, you've got to be kidding me, really? How many times have I talked about the kingdom of heaven? How many times have I talked about the kingdom of God? He doesn't know where we're going. How long has he been on this journey? Because we keep thinking God's holding something back from us. Let me tell you something. He's, he's given you everything you need to know to do what you need to do for this day. It's already in his word. I had to do a, a Lenten luncheon talk at Trinity, Trinity United Methodist on Wednesday. And, and one of the things they asked me to talk about was obedience. And I said, you know what? The reason we have problem, problems deciphering the will and the plan of God because we already don't, know, don't do what we know we should do. There's this thing called the Bible. There are things in there he tells us to do. Anybody ever, got, anybody ever seen a Bible? Anybody know what that is? And we keep asking for the will of God to be illuminated. And yet there's things in his word that he plainly tells us to do. And we refuse to do them. Maybe it's something like, oh, the preacher's going to talk about money. Everybody hold it, strap on. Maybe it's something as simple as tithing. Maybe it's something as hard as forgiveness. Maybe it's something as, as difficult as being bold about your faith in the workplace. There are very, maybe it's something as, as, oh, let's use this word, as easy as making a devotional time to spend with God every day in prayer and study of the word. Yet, we're not doing those really simple things we know to do. Like he's holding out on us. There's got to be more for me to do. No, he's already told you. He's like, I, he, he's like Thomas, where, where, where have you been? I used to do youth ministry, you know. And there was always, the, there, was always there, was, there was this one kid who used to be part of his ministry. You'd ask him a question, you'd go, I'm so confused. And you're like, sometimes I just go, and anyway, I just go on to the next thing. I'm like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to. And Jesus looks at Peter or, or Thomas and he goes, Thomas, you know the way. The truth is, there's not a way like a map. There's a way. He's a person. The truth is that per, the, the, the truth is a person named Jesus, and he had overcome everything. He goes on to tell Thomas, Jesus said to him, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, if you had known me, Thomas, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him. Thomas, you got everything you need right now. I'm standing in front of you. You know him and you have seen him, he says. 
John 16, 33, he looks at, at the disciples in a very similar circumstances. A couple of chapters later, he goes, I have told you all this so that you all may have peace in me. He goes, now listen, here on earth, you are going to have all kinds of troubles. That's never going to end. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, Peter, or Jesus is telling them. You're going to have problems. Because the first thing that talks us out of whether Jesus is real or not is difficulty and problems. When we start, we start doubting because trouble shows up. Well, if I was in the will of God, things would just be fluid and easy. Listen, read the Bible. Would you really please just read the Bible? Huh? God calls Joseph to do something great. You know where he ends up first? Prison. He calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to something great. Guess where they end up? A fiery furnace. He calls Daniel to be something great. Guess where he ends up? A lion's den. um, Don't believe everything you see on TV. I'm just going to say that. Or the internet, yeah. I should play that State Farm commercial. No, um, you know the one with the French model? Anyway, um, <laughs> let me just say, not all the depictions of truth are actual accurate trans- depictions, okay? Anyway. Think about Moses. Think about Peter and Paul, think about Jesus. He was right smack in the will of God. And it cost him a beating and nails and thorns. So don't presume that just because things have gone south that God has left you out in the cold somewhere. Presume that God has a plan for you and he's going to get you through it. Faith, I was in the shower yesterday morning. Don't ask me why. I'm just contemplating. I'm not even thinking about this message. There's there's two holy places on this whole planet, the bathroom and the car. I don't know why. Maybe that's the closest thing to a prayer closet we have these days. I don't know. I'm I'm in the shower yesterday morning, and I'm just thinking. All of a sudden, this thought just drops in my brain, man. Faith is not the thing that makes you exempt from problems and difficulties. Faith is the thing that empowers you to endure problems and difficulties. Are you hearing me? Faith faith doesn't exempt you from anything. We try and get people in the kingdom by telling them, hey, everything's going to just accept Jesus. Everything's going to be good. No, quite honestly, probably just the opposite's going to happen. Probably because you've lined yourself against the forces of the earth and the forces of the enemy and the forces of darkness that exist around this place, probably the floor is going to fall out. Won't you come now? I used to work in retail. I'm not selling nobody nothing that ain't true, okay? I used to have bosses try and get me to like, you know, you know, make them think they need it. I'm like, dude, they don't need it. I'm not going to put a family into hawk because they, you want me to make them think they need a TV. They don't need a TV. If they want one, I'll be glad to sell one to them. But I'm not going to give them something that ain't true. I never made it as one of them high-pressure commission sales guys. I just never could do it, man. I'm just not going to talk someone into something they don't need. That's another story for another day. Here's the point. 
And all of Thomas is wandering in his doubt and his frustration. There's one thing Jesus wanted. Jesus wanted us. Jesus longed for Thomas. Jesus longed for Thomas to know him. Not some idea about him, not some theoretical religious idea about him. Thomas long, Jesus longed for Thomas to know him. In three of the Gospels, this story that we started, when, that, that we started with at the beginning, we find the, the scripture saying that they were gathered around a table, they were eating together. My guess is that they were probably reminiscing about that scene you just saw up on the video screen. Remember what Jesus told us that last night? Remember how things went down? Jesus unveiled himself to them at that moment, but they did hardly any of them got it. None of them really did. They'd run in every direction. Can I say something to you? Jesus longs for you to know him. Every one of you. Not just in a very pat, small way. Jesus longs for you to know know him in a very real, in a very deep, in a very profound, get you through everything and anything kind of a way. That's what Jesus wants. And if you're in a crisis of faith, if you've found that, that you've walked with Jesus for a long time, but some things about life just don't make sense, can I, can I encourage you about something? The reason you are there right now, Jesus is intending to use that circumstance to, let, to unveil himself to you like you have never seen him before. You see, Thomas is stuck in this crisis, but you know what? He comes out of the crisis on another side. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? And then Jesus begins to talk about the rest of us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, on this side of heaven, none of us will have the chance to touch the hands of Jesus. Physically put our finger in his scars, our hand in his side. None of us will have a chance really to, to see the, the marks of, of thorns on his head. Most of us won't. Maybe Jesus will show himself to somebody in here. I, that'd be great. I, I have no problem with that. He does. He is a supernatural and he can show himself to anybody anytime he wants to. But my guess is most of us are going to be the fulfillment of this piece of scripture. Blessed are they that haven't seen and yet still believe. Jesus calling to each of us in your crisis, in your difficulty, in your darkness, and you're trying to muddle through things. Can I encourage you about something? Jesus is waiting for you, and he wants you to respond as Thomas responded. My Lord and my God. The only option here is to submit to Christ wholeheartedly with all that you are. Thomas would die for his faith. Did you guys know that? This guy Thomas We've coined the phrase Doubting Thomas. Is that what we call him? Doubting Thomas? You know where, you know where, you know where the, the, the path of Thomas's life ends up, calls him to? 
he would take the gospel to the nation of India. And he would die for his faith, martyred for Christ in the nation of India. A. Stephen would tell you there's still a memorial in one of the villages of Thomas to this day. Well, A. is with Jesus now. He can't really tell you that now, but he told me that at one time. Thomas carried the gospel. So something happened at that moment that turned Thomas around. Went from I will never believe to I believe so much I will die. If you're looking for something to solidify your faith, Jesus says, I'm right here. Do you feel like you're a day late, a dollar short? Spiritually, maybe? Relationally? Emotionally? Maybe you feel like you keep missing the point, like everybody else is getting it, but it's just getting right past you. Maybe, just maybe, you keep missing those strategic pivot points of your life. I think Jim Collins or one of them guys, Bill Gates, I forget, one of them big known business guys, talked about these strategic inflection points of life, and you feel like you just keep walking right past them, like you keep missing them. Right now, maybe you're sitting there thinking, Asking the question, is it really worth it? Can't we all just die and be it over with? Can I say something to you? Your presumption does say you've missed it. And you may feel like you're not either chosen or desired. Maybe you feel like Thomas. See, Thomas ran away from Jesus at his darkest hour. And maybe you've run too. Maybe you've run away. Maybe not physically. Maybe you're like that other son in the prodigal son story. The one son leaves. The other son stays but leaves nonetheless because his heart's far away from his father. Maybe you're that prodigal. And you, you've run and you're like, will he ever forgive me because I don't have his heart. I don't have his mind anymore. Your presumption says those things. You've missed it. You've run away. He'll never forgive you. You're not, the, you're not chosen, you're not desired, you're not a real believer, you're not a real follower of Jesus. But grace and truth say this. Grace and truth say, I have never left you or forsaken you. Grace and truth says, you have missed it at times, but I have covered you and you're missing it. You have been overlooked by the world, you've been overlooked by opportunity, you've been overlooked by people who are really important to you. But listen to me, grace and truth say, I have chosen you and I desire you. Grace and truth say, you have ran, but I have found you in your running today. And Thomas was allowed to touch Jesus. My question to you is, will you allow Jesus to touch you? There's some other less fortunate followers of Jesus on the same day as this stuff is going on, right around about the same time. They're dejected, sad, tired, walking on a road. One of them's name doesn't even get, he's so, he's so out of the loop, his name doesn't even get mentioned. There's two of them. We only get, to, we get to know, only get to know one of them, and they're never on the big list. One guy's name is Cleopas and the other disciple. That's what it says. You're really important, you know. But you know what Jesus does for those guys? Right in the middle of their dejection after he's been crucified, they find themselves walking down this road. And all of a sudden, there's another guy walking with them. Hey, what's going on? Don't you know? And they walk all day, and Jesus begins to talk to them about how the Messiah must die and be resurrected. And they're walking, oh, really? They're trying to make sense of it. 
And the Bible says that he went to go walk further down the road and they invited him to come in and eat with them. And in verse 34, 35, Jesus begins to pray a blessing over their meal. Took the bread and he broke it. And he blessed it. At that moment they realize the bread of life was standing in front of them. And they said these words, the Lord has risen and he's appeared to Simon. Then they told them, they told them what had happened. They took back telling the rest of the disciples what had happened to them on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. See, that's what, that was the last act Jesus did with those guys. He partook of what we call the Last Supper, and he instituted this thing called communion. And, and Thomas was there that night, and Jesus would take bread, and he'd break it, and he'd give it to them. Let me tell you something. This morning, if you're trying to find Jesus, he wants to illuminate himself to you. And if you're not ready to meet him, he's ready to meet you. He's calling to you right now. And if you're in a crisis of faith, you know what I'm, you know what I'm asking God for in this moment? That he would illuminate himself in the breaking of the bread, and you would find him this morning like Thomas and the rest of those guys gathered around that table that night.